Welcome to Total SF, Tony Bravo, the established new Total SF co-host, If I Die or I'm Indicted. Have you been following this? I have. Of course, I follow the podcast all the time, especially because I think of myself as the alternate. Uh, like in a beauty pageant, if the uh, real Miss America is unable to fulfill her duties for whatever purpose... <laughs> The first runner-up or alternates uh, shall take those duties. Yeah, that's a much nicer way to say it than we've been talking about it. I think it came up at Manny's. I think Heather was asked something. I don't know. I don't know how it came up, but she immediately blurted out, oh, Tony Bravo. And I was like, you didn't even need to think about it. It's like you've been... <laughs> I don't like to think about anything happening to either one of you. So I just think of myself as like Joan Rivers when she was the official <laughs> guest host on, on Johnny Carson when... He would go, you know, get married again or go on vacation. Um, I have to say the indictment possibility, very San Francisco (laughs) in joke. I love it. Well, you're here now, um, not with Heather. I thought it would be Heather with you for the first time. You're here with me to talk about movies. Um, I, I don't know when or where this came up, but we talk about movies all the time. We talk about the Castro Theater all the time, Yes, which has been showing some classic movies lately. And I thought it would be a great time to get together and just talk about the greatest San Francisco movies of all time, what we would put on the Castro screen if we were putting together like a two-day film festival. I love this. It's just a couple of local boys talking about the local films that make them love this place so much. And, you know, Peter, interestingly enough, if I was not a San Francisco Chronicle arts and culture columnist, I would want to either be a host on TCM or like a hyper-local a midday matinee or midnight horror movie host, like on coffee. Well, you could be a little bit of both today. Um, We're going to get into that. I did want to plug a little bit. We're both Chronicle employees. We've both done audio tours, and your Castro tour is something that I absolutely love. I learned so much. Can you tell us just a little bit about that and how people can check it out? I have been covering the Castro for years. I have insider stories from activists, from artists, from community members. It was my pleasure to take you through sites associated with the AIDS Memorial Quilt, the Castro Theater, sites associated with Harvey Milk, the GLBT Historical Society Museum, and uh, yeah, check it out on on, on the app. And uh, I love your tour of Golden Gate Park with Heather. I learned a lot um, about the hidden sides of the uh, the park. Um, I've been there so many times to cover the museum. And um, for me to learn something new about a corner of this city I love is a pleasure. Yeah, these tours are on voice map. John King did one too. You basically just turn on your phone and our voices are in your head. I was because I know you and your tour was so personal. There's a lot of your personal remembrances in it. Um, I wanted to like keep talking to my phone. I like thought you were there with me. Oh, I was the third on your (laughs) tour with with Heather. I I love the way the two of you banned and I started really, yes, like, let, let's go to the park. <laughs> well, check out our tours and um, stay tuned for movies, our favorite movies, the greatest movies of San Francisco. I'm Peter Hartlob here with Tony Bravo. The ultimate San Francisco film festival is coming up and this is Total SF. Thank you very much. So 
So we've talked about movies before, Tony, and um, the Castro is a big part of it for you. That's kind of where you got your film education? Yeah, I absolutely consider uh, the Castro and Anita Manga, who was the programmer when I was in high school, uh, for much of high school and and much of the time before that, to be really uh, the foundation of my cinephile education. I remember seeing Orson Welles' A Touch of Evil there, the the new remastered... uh, Recut in 1998 is my first film, and I can't even count or name all of the classics and all of the really weird, super specific things I've seen there since. I love a good local neighborhood movie house. And a good local movie, I, I'm trying to remember when I first realized how many of the films that I was going to see as I was growing up are going to take place in San Francisco. Um, I don't know what the first one was. That was going to be my question. Do you have a formative memory going, wait, like, what's the Embarcadero Freeway doing on screen? I was just there. (laughs) I think it might have been, I mean, this is a weird one. I don't think we're going to talk about this one that much today. It might have been something like 48 Hours. Um, Certainly like Dirty Harry. That's an interesting one, 48 Hours. Right around that time when I was able to um, go to a video store and get VHS tapes when I was maybe 13, 14 years old, too young to see these rated R movies, but they give them (laughs) to me anyway. And I started realizing actually the back cat I think before something like Miss Doubtfire or Milk showed up where, you know, I realized that that this area is just a real fertile ground for filmmaking. Weirdly, I think the first San Francisco movie that I remember was Foul Play with uh, Chevy Chase and Goldie Hawn, where they try to foil an attempted assassination of the Pope at the San Francisco Opera. Um, but later on, Doubtfire, I remember that was kind of a, a occasion movie, a, a San Francisco occasion, if you will, to see the city and also just to see Robin Williams uh, gallivanting around it. Well, I wanted to ask you, what makes a great San Francisco film? I mean, the film itself, the quality, we're going to talk about that. That'll be a factor. But does it also have to have a lot of scenes that are clearly San Francisco? Do you prefer a film where they're roaming around San Francisco? I prefer to see real San Francisco and not uh, stock footage or not uh, weird television uh, facsimiles. Um, I like it when there's something about the local culture that feels essentially captured. Um, something about, I, I need the, the background people to look like real San Franciscans. I need there to be in-jokes that we can either go, oh, yeah. They got us or go, uh, well, they tried. <laughs> and there have been quite a few like that. Um, I agree with you. I can always tell a little bit if there was a screenwriter or a director or somebody involved, a producer who has San Francisco ties. You know, as journalists, we end up interviewing a lot of these people, and it's never a surprise to me with something like Always Be My Maybe, even though they shot. Clement Street in the Richmond District in Vancouver, there were parts of that were, that were so Bay Area that I know, okay, there are several people involved here, um, obviously the big one being Ali Wong, but um, I, I'm always a little more impressed by like an invasion of the body snatchers where Philip Kaufman really knows this area. And I think Hitchcock may be an honorary member of San Francisco because he certainly shot his films that way. Oh yeah, I consider Hitchcock to definitely be an honorary local filmmaker for uh, Vertigo. As far as I'm concerned, the greatest film of all time, especially the greatest shot in San Francisco, and The Birds, obviously. Um, Even something, though, that just has a a nod to a real location, like the uh, Catherine Hepburn, Spencer Tracy film, Guess Who's Who's Coming to Dinner, 
which I think nods at the Mel's on that used to be on South Van S. Even something like that that's kind of subtle, I, I want to give them credit for. I, I like it when they even just know one location and it ends up in something that ends up being that much of a classic. We are going to uh, pick 10 films. And I thought what we do is have some like, just go through films and have some for sures and maybes. And at the end, maybe we can come together with the 10. I also think though, that you and I are maybe are going to have one or two that the other person hasn't seen or the other person just doesn't vibe on. I think in our film festival, there should be maybe one Tony film and one Peter film or one or two. For sure. What are our for sure films? I'm sure there's like three that we're both thinking of right now that are automatically going on this list. I'm going to let you name the first one because I think it's pretty clear. Well, I I think it has to be Vertigo. Yeah. Best San Francisco film ever made? It is actually considered to be the best film ever made um, on several lists, including, I think, the uh, American Film Institute. It, It was controversial on whatever list it first uh, usurped Citizen Kane on. It's just a beautiful film. I mean, San Francisco has never looked better on celluloid as far as I'm concerned. And I will say that having interviewed the legendary Kim Novak, I have an enormous amount of loyalty towards making sure that she is represented on this list. Um, I would actually even put it over The Birds, although The Birds is certainly a classic San Francisco film in its own way. But since more of it is set in Bodega Bay, I would have to make sure that Vertigo gets top uh, priority. Uh, yeah, Vertigo is one of those movies that I discover something new every time I see it. Um, I, I can just love watching it for the cinematography. I can pay attention to the wonderful score another time. Um, it's it's I think it's... You know, there there are other films that I might say are my favorite, and I'd almost be embarrassed to tell you Star Trek Four, but Vertigo I think is the greatest film that's been made in San Francisco. Vertigo is in. I think that's like our seven. I'm going to put it in for our seven thirty slot on Saturday. That's like our big film. That's the featured film, and hopefully we would get Eddie Mueller, and maybe Kim would come back out herself. And of course, I'm I'm going to need there to be a doppelganger lookalike contest. <laughs> Definitely. So Vertigo's in. What are a couple others that are that you feel are like just like first ballot Hall of Famers? Well, uh, I'm gonna have to say Doubtfire. There are some great comedies. I think we could discuss Sister Act. Uh, cer- Absolutely. Certainly. With apologies to our former editor in chief. <laughs> yes. Um, Audrey Cooper did not like Sister Act. Uh, so I Married an Axe Murderer is one that if Heather were here, it would definitely be on. And also I, a I childhood favorite film. of mine. I, it gave me the illusion that one could grow up to be a poet and uh, live in San Francisco successfully. <laughs> the guy had one gig, you know, every week. I don't know how he afforded his apartment. <laughs> uh, Bullet, obviously, too. I mean, I'm looking at Steve McQueen over your shoulder like you're conscious here in the studio. Well, let's let's put Doubtfire on. I think that's maybe a good matinee, like a good Saturday matinee, but Doubtfire is automatic for me. I think it's the, if not the best comedy in San Francisco history, it's certainly the one that I return to more and more. It's certainly the one that I say the most lines from, and uh, Robin Williams is... Absolutely. He never left San Francisco in his heart or physically. And this was, I think, the best movie that he did here. So I have to ask about uh, your relationship with uh, Robin Williams. You're a couple years older than me. For me, Robin Williams was that 
surrogate, you know, goofy, you know, maybe father figure. Um, was he like that for you? By the time you saw Doubtfire, you would have been an adult. Yeah, I mean, for me, Robin Williams was the guy who made it. And and not like there weren't other comedians who were making it, certainly Dana Carvey, and there were, uh, you know, people like Paula Poundstone who were suddenly getting national. But he was the one who, you know, I didn't even know, like, someone from San Francisco who had a talent here could show up on one of those three networks. Um, And all of a sudden, Robin Williams, who had been doing comedy tonight and who you knew from the comedy scene... Um, is Mork from Mork, you know, starting with <laughs> with Happy Days and then having his own show and then becoming a sensation. He, he was sort of like the, you know, Pied Piper leading all these people so that everyone in the nation and around the world could see all the talent in San Francisco. So I look at him that way. Um, certainly, you know, even back to his comedy roots, I, I, I think about him. And in Doubtfire, we learned also does windows. <laughs> yes. So Dot Fires In. Is Bullet In? You mentioned Bullet. I think this one's a little closer for me. I have kind of like a... It really is Bullet uh, on the borderline for you. For well, I, I have a bunch of action films. Um, I have The Rock, Bullet, Dirty Harry, 48 Hours, Shang-Chi, and The Game is kind of more of a thriller. I, I mean, is Bullet head and shoulders above those? I, I love the car chase, and I love the mood of it. The the mood of San Francisco and the places that they go and everything is, I think, one of the best. For me, it's just that Steve McQueen is the coolest guy ever to walk the streets of this city. I mean, there is a, a part of me that every time I put on a trench coat, I, I want to just channel a little bit of that swagger that he has. Not so much. Maybe this is where we're going to disagree, Peter. Not such a fan of The Rock. I get that. The Rock is a super, super fun film to watch with people. If I'm going to book a film at the Balboa and people are going to be drinking and I want kind of a younger crowd, The Rock is a great film for that. But so is San Andreas. And San Andreas is not going to go on this list. So I'm ready to give up The Rock. Um, Bullet. I'll put that in. It's a classic film. I think it would be really noticeable if we didn't have it. The car chase is fantastic, but the other stuff, too, is really enjoyable to watch. You get to see a lot of San Francisco and and some interesting performances. And every time I go to a high society party, I totally pretend that I'm him at that scene in the mansion. Yeah, (laughs) yes. Uh, Milk. Well, I, I think milk is a is a must for me. My community would rightly never forgive me if I didn't push for its inclusion. I don't think you need to push it all. It's such a local film from top to bottom, from the screenplay to uh, Sean Penn to everybody involved. It feels like they really cared about San Francisco and not just representing Harvey Milk, but the players involved in San Francisco. Um, I think it's a excellent film. I watched it again recently and um, got emotional all over again. I think it's a great rewatchable film and it's in as far as I'm concerned. I mean, what more Castro experience can you have than watching Milk at the Castro and seeing the scene with the Castro theater at night all lit up with Peaches Christ leading (laughs) the throng into protest? It's a lock. It's in. Milk is in. So we have four. Vertigo, Missed Outfire, Bullet, and Milk. I'm going to give you one more that I think might be a lock, but I'm curious what you think about it, and I'm not entirely sure. 
and that's Last Black Man in San Francisco. I don't know how much of this is recency bias. I've seen it twice. I saw it at the Castro in one of the greatest uh, just live watching a movie with my community experiences I've ever had. What do you feel about it? Absolute lock for me, too. I think that it summarizes a lot of the feeling of the last decade that people who have lived here have had. The, uh, some of the anxieties we have about whether or not we can remain. Um, some of the discussions about who's been historically pushed out and excluded. It is also just a beautiful, poetic film. I mean, I, I think it's up there with Vertigo in the way it's, it almost reads like, like a poem. It, yeah. It's a beautiful... Uh, intimate odyssey, I think. I, there are dreamlike qualities to it that I really noticed the second time, um, where the two main characters are getting on a skateboard together and traversing the city. And in some ways, it's like, well, they can't do that, the hills. And then another way, I'm like, oh, this is like a children's book. It's like a dream. You know, It is a fairy tale. Yeah. Yes. I love all the cameos from Jello Biafra to San Quinn to Mike Marshall, who sang San Francisco in the movie and also at that Castro premiere. And haunting, it, yeah. Peter. Haunting. I am haunted by that rendition. We'll be right back after this short break. So it's in. We have five films, Vertigo, Misdoubtfire, Bullet, Milk, and Last Black Man in San Francisco. Peter, I'm already predicting a second film festival, by the way. <laughs> Man, we're already at five. Well, we got to do ten. And I think we should look at, like, we want a family film. Maybe we want another comedy. Maybe we want sci-fi. Anything else to you feels like a lock. Well, if we are mentioning family films, I think we know of a certain uh, <laughs> underdog story by Disney that rings very true to me and to our, our good friend, Kevin Fagan. Princess I'm a, Diaries. The Princess Diaries. Okay. I mean, look, I, I've now written about this in my column. That movie came out my senior year of high school. She decided to become the Princess of Genovia the year that I was elected <laughs> prom queen. I mean, that was my adolescence right there. Yeah. I'm putting it on maybe. I think it's going to end up there, but I'm going to do a lot of maybes right now, and I'm going to do mine. These could both end up being veto-proof films for us. Star Trek Four is mine. I just... Science fiction, it's an outer space futuristic film, but about issues that are going on right now. And then they travel through time and actually come to San Francisco in the 1980s, and it's funny, and... It has wonderful performances, and there's a little bit of action, but not a single gun, not even really a bad guy. It's just a bunch of people saving whales. I love the film. Heather hates it. She's uh, uh, standing behind me right now in spirit telling me not to put it down. Well, I love whales, but I have to tell you, I'm more of a Star Wars guy than a Star Trek guy. So I might side with Heather on this, but I do think you make a compelling case. I'm going to put it under the maybe. That may be my veto-proof film. Um, others that are close to being a lock that you want to put on our maybe list. Well, there's one that I'm not nominating to go on the list, but I think we should discuss it. Blue Jasmine. 
Academy Award winner. I think some people might think that's a lock, but Woody Allen, ugh. 2022 doesn't seem like the year we should pick a Woody Allen movie. Although, I do love the nutty way that Kate Blanchett <laughs> talks throughout that entire film. It's a very good film. It is, in some ways, like, if you watch it, it's one of the few Woody Allen films where you watch it and you don't know it's a Woody Allen film immediately. I refer to this film, though, as A Streetcar Named Kate because it is basically <laughs> the plot of the Tennessee Williams play, a Streetcar Named Desire, set in San Francisco. And Woody Allen seems to think uh, things like uh, even 10 years ago, the Mission District was still somewhat proletariat, uh, <laughs> that it wasn't filled with zillion-dollar condos. Um, so I'm glad we're discussing it, but uh, I just don't think it's a good look to have a Woody Allen film on this list. Well, I, I do want to put two more dramas in the maybe category. Maybe they're more than a maybe. Zodiac and The Conversation, which I think are two of the best just pure films that were made in San Francisco. What are your uh, thoughts on oh, those? Oh, Zodiac. I watch Zodiac when I want to remember what the newsroom used to look like. <laughs> yes. That is a time capsule for Chronicle employees. And what are your conversation feelings? Have you seen it lately? I, I haven't seen it lately, but I think it is a great film. I, oh, I, if we can put it in the action, thriller, suspense category, I would definitely include it. Um, maybe, I, I think maybe this is where we have to talk about trading Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek. I will not trade Star Trek. Uh, comedies. I'm going to throw a few more at you for possibilities for the maybe list. Sister Act, So I Married an Axe Murderer, Always Be My Maybe, What's Up Doc, and Foul Play. All right. Well, Sister Act would, for all purposes, be an absolute yes for me. But if it's going to be between that and What's Up Doc, that is really hard. What's Up Doc is a brilliantly made film with, I think, the other greatest chase scene ever in San Francisco cinematic history. And, you know, if I don't push for a Barbara film, again, my people aren't <laughs> going to forgive me. You could argue that we could end up with three comedies. Um, I think Sister Act, What's Up Doc, and Miss Doubtfire. And um, I think also possibility to replace Sister Act with uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer. Yeah, I, you know, both of those are iconic to my childhood growing up here in the 90s. Um, again, the thing about Axe Murderer that I think is great is that it it gets kind of the in-joke of, of the beatnik nostalgia that was going on in the 90s, this kind of um, resurgence of, of North Beach as a destination for spoken word. But again, it's like totally absurd. This guy um, works once a week at a coffee shop reciting a poem and manages to live in the city. Even in the 90s, that seems a little far-fetched. I think, too, though... If it is far-fetched and it presents San Francisco as a city of tourist destinations, as if that's where everybody goes. But I'll also argue Sister Act basically has one San Francisco location, and it's Noe Valley, which is redressed as the worst part of town. glammed <laughs> Noe Valley, uh, the slums of Church Street. I will say, though, that Sister Act, I think, offers us an interesting sing-along possibility here if we're thinking about this from a programming point of view. I mean, I want uh, Sarah and Laura, Lori uh, leading the I Will Follow Him <laughs> sing-along at the very end in the Pope outfit. Okay, you're talking me into Sister Act. We'll revisit this. I think we're going to have some hard decisions with comedies in a minute here. I wanted to ask you about Golden Age films. Should we include 
like San Francisco or Maltese Falcon. My argument against it is they didn't film here. I mean, they don't really have scenes that are here, even though they're so closely identified with 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 this place. Love both these films, but I, and this is hard for me as a classic film lover. I'm going to have to give them both the axe. The Maltese Falcon, I believe, has some stock footage at the beginning that's San Francisco, but was otherwise filmed on sound stages. Uh, and uh, San Francisco, I mean, it, it gave us one of our two official theme songs, one of our three official theme songs, if we count the other San Francisco. Uh, but again, the is uh, uplifting as that final scene is when they're marching towards the rebuilt San Francisco of the future. No. Yeah. I can't give it to it. Sorry. I'm with you. I'm not even going to put it on the maybe list. One more great film we haven't talked about. Um, I don't know if everybody feels this way. Um, it's also a horror film. I'm thinking we can have like a 1030 or midnight spot. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1970s Sold. version. Absolutely, completely sold. Still creeps me out. I am I am a man in my 30s, and I need to keep the lights on at <laughs> night after I've seen that for fear that I'm going to go to sleep and the pod is going to take me. <laughs> I think that one might end up in, but let's look at all of our maybes in a second. Um, a couple other wild cards, the game, sneakers, Love them both. Not sure if they're quite going to make this list. I would say the game over sneakers. Uh, the game for me, I think, follows in that kind of Hitchcockian tradition. I want to nominate two other wild cards that I think will make up for the dearth of classic film in this list so far. Okay. Dark Passage, a great film noir with Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. And... Sudden Fear, a thriller if there ever was one, starring Joan Crawford <laughs> and her eyebrows. I can tell you right now, Dark Passage, I think there's a good argument for it. And it, it helps balance out our list a little bit. And I think it's great. I'm not sure if Sudden Fear is going to make it. I will trade you uh, Bogart and Bacall for Crawford. Um, I, I will take Sudden Fear out of consideration for Dark Passage. Okay, well, Dark Passage is on the maybe list. I'm just going to throw out a couple weird ones, wild cards, Inside Out. It's not so much of an animation person. Okay. I I don't think it would be on my list if I was sitting here alone, but I wanted to mention it because it is one of my favorite San Francisco films. It is a San Francisco film. I mean, it they, is very much a San Francisco film, but just, you know, th- this is strictly my own taste. All right, well... Blue Jasmine is currently on our list of maybes, along with Princess Diaries, Star Trek IV, Zodiac, The Conversation, Sister Act, What's Up, Doc, So I Married an Axe Murderer, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Game, and Dark Passage. We got to get five films out of that. I think we should be thinking about um, variety, but also just our gut, too. Is, Is there something on that list that you just think that you and I are both going to agree on. Well, remember, we want to make sure that we're programming a really intelligent festival here. So we, we got to think about the shape of these two days. Maybe let's start with the comedies. We have a couple of really great comedies here. We've agreed that Sister Act has a good sing-along possibility. But with Axe Murder, we get the reappearance of your bagpiper. Yes. Although if we're serving haggis, I'm going to say Axe Murder is a no. Why don't we put What's Up, Doc? Elevate that up. I think we both agree with that. 
Is that your first choice out of those three? Out of those three, I'm I'm just going to say it's probably the best made film. Okay. We're going to put What's Up Doc there and leave room for Sister Act or So I Married an Axe Murderer. But I would like to cut Blue Jasmine officially. Like I said, don't have a good feeling about a Woody Allen movie on this list. Blue Jasmine is gone. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I feel like we were both vibing on that. Oh, yeah. I think a a very strong vibe for that. By the way, I finally get the fantasy sports league thing that straight (laughs) people do. Um, Because this is like my version of it. You know, fantasy film festival league. (laughs) Princess Diaries. I feel like if I leave this off, it's going to wound you. I feel like we need one really family-friendly film I would really like to include The Princess Diaries, uh, but I would argue that we could say The Doubtfire fills the uh, family slot. I do think that the message of The Princess Diaries, though, is maybe a a little bit better in 2022. It's about accepting yourself, uh, whereas the message of of Doubtfire is about deceiving your ex-spouse so (laughs) you can break a custody agreement. Good point. Um, I'm putting it on the for sure list with a little question mark on it, which means we might be able to pull it off later. But I mean, imagine the, you know, pre-show possibilities for the Princess Diaries. I mean, my dream, of course, is to have Dame Julie Andrews come out for a stage interview with the three of us. (laughs) It could still happen. Um, Love it. Princess Diaries, it's moving up. Let's take the game off. All right. If we're going to do the conversation, I think we should take the game off. Uh, I also think the Body Snatchers kind of fits a lot of the thrill and the suspense quotient that we probably wanted represented with the game. Yeah, I agree. I do think, though, with the game off that we should choose one between Zodiac and the conversation or maybe even Zodiac, the conversation and Dark Passage. Gosh, uh, asking a Chronicle employee past, present, or future to vote against Zodiac is a big ask. There's a lot of sentimental value there for us. I think Zodiac's in. So we have eight. Vertigo, Miss Doubtfire, Bullet, Milk, Last Black Man in San Francisco, What's Up Doc, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and Zodiac. This is a really good film festival. I feel like we're just rounding out the last couple of films I feel like it should be what are we missing right now. I'm willing to give up Star Trek Four, but I'm also willing right now to just throw away the conversation Sister Act, So I Married an Axe Murderer, and get Star Trek Four and Princess Diaries and call it done. It's our film festival. And we have Milk on the list, yes? Milk is on the list. All right. I want to make sure we have some very pure, true San Francisco history represented. And I feel that we have that with Milk and with Zodiac. So I'm going to give you a choice. Either we add Star Trek IV and Princess Diaries, that's kind of our two veto-proof films, or we go with Dark Passage and either Sister Act or So I Married an Axe Murderer. <sighs> little deal-making at Peter, the end here. my God, this is like City Hall. Where's Heather? For I, I need Heather to give me <laughs> some advice on how this happens when we're talking about sidewalk ordinances and things. <laughs> if we're going to have to go between... What was it? Sister Act 
And what was the other comedy possibility? Axe Story Murder. Murder and Axe Murder. We could pick one of those along with Dark Passage or The Conversation. Or we can do Princess Diaries and Star Trek Four. And you and I are just sitting there with our popcorn watching our favorite movies. You know what? It's our film festival, Peter. <laughs> Hell yeah. You know what? Princess yeah, Diaries and Star Trek Four. it is. Okay. So once this podcast is out, we can get some paper, we can go on Twitter and figure out when we'll play these films. I think it's pretty clear Princess Diaries is a matinee, Vertigo's our big Saturday 7.30 film. I like our list. I would like maybe to close out with a What's Up Doc, because I think it's always good to go out with a big, strong laugh. Yeah. What's Up Doc is our finishing film on Saturday, and then our big Friday night midnight film is going to be Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I want people dressing up as pods for that one. (laughs) I mean, if you can be in it, Sid, I think people can be pods. Well, very good. I'm glad that we did this. I like our film festival. I like our film festival. I can't wait to get yelled at on Twitter by all the people (laughs) that that have minute disagreements with us or major ones. It's what makes social media fun. I like how this started with us talking about how... Um, you are the host if I get indicted or die. But what's going to happen is Heather's going to find out that um, So I Married an Axe Murderer is not on this list, and she's going to get rid of both of us. <laughs> wow. Um, gosh. We'll uh, start our own spinoff podcast. Well, well, this got dark awfully quick, very Hitchcockian. <laughs> um, but, you know, just to tie this all back up with Vertigo, maybe, like, you know, she eliminates one of us, and then we show up again as a brunette. And, it disco- <laughs> and we find out that it was really us all along. Uh, spoiler alerts for anyone that hasn't seen Vertigo, the greatest film of all time. <laughs> uh, that's an excellent finish. Thank you for coming on. Check out our audio tours. And um, yeah, again, thank you, Tony. It's good to see you in person. Peter, always a pleasure. Heather, look forward to you returning. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or not. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com slash pod.